there's been an interesting development in the free agent market for outfielders, and it could put the Reds in line to pick up a big name. We'll tell you who that is coming up in just a minute. More news today also on the Nick Senzel front, and it's not great. We'll tell you what's going on with him and what it means for 2023. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, there is a free agent candidate that I absolutely want the Reds to explore and hopefully sign he is a former mvp and rookie of the year and could really bring some strength to this outfield plus they've got some news in the outfield about nixon zell and it's probably what you're expecting to hear about nixon zell we're going to look at his overall value and, and kind of take a broad look at nixon zell's career and how it relates to the Cincinnati Reds future and what he can do for this team. But Steve, we've got to start off first because yesterday we had a great, and if, and if um, you missed our third segment from yesterday's show, we had a great conversation as to the Reds ability to add talent this off season and why we believe that they have a good ability to do that. And we continue to say that the reason uh, the the different players that they should look for are guys that are on one year deals, maybe two year deals. If, if it's somebody that would help their trade value in the long run, on maybe a prove it type contract. Insert Cody Bellinger, former Los Angeles Dodger, MVP of 2019, Rookie of the Year, a couple of years before that, I forget exactly which year. I think it was 2017, uh, but absolutely phenomenal player. He's hit some skids over the last couple of years, and that's why the Dodgers have DFA'd him and made him available to everyone, but the Reds should absolutely, okay, they should go sign Corey Kluber, and then they should go sign Cody Bellinger. Okay, well, first of all, I know that everyone's reaction right now was what my reaction was to you when you told me this, which was Jeff's on that stuff again. But there are some developments that have make this be a real possibility. As we laid out in yesterday's third segment, the Reds have quite a bit of money based on the revenue. Now, whether or not the cash leadings will spend it or not, it's a different question, but they have a lot of money based on the revenue where they could go out and, and do a couple deals to get some band-aids to get this team into contention for that final playoff spot. And as you say, insert Cody Bellinger, because, you know, he is represented by Scott Boris. And again, everybody's going, well, now you guys are definitely on the stuff again, <laughs> but wait, Scott Boris put out, some information that makes the reds a good fit for Cody Bellinger. 
He really did, and it surprised the heck out of me because this is what he said, and this is a quote from an article that Ken Rosenthal had in The Athletic. He says, I've already been offered multi-years, Boris said Sunday, two days after the Dodgers declined to tender Bellinger a contract for 2023. Quote, most likely, because of his age, we don't want a multi-year deal. Sign him! Sign him now! Get him to that one-year deal. I'm sure we're probably talking about 10 to 12 million whatever he'll be the third highest player third highest paid player on the roster he's had a rough go of it steve we're not going to mince words here there's a reason that the dodgers got rid of him it's not as if they said oh he finished third in mvp voting that's embarrassing bye-bye it's been a rough couple of years in fact his first three seasons that included his rookie of the year and mvp awards he had 15 wins above replacement according to Fangraphs. so 15 f4 the last three seasons, so 2020, 2021, and 2022, he has a total of two war. Huge difference, huge drop off. Um, I'm no mathematician, but 15, two, big, big gap there. So definitely something is going on, but maybe a change of scenery and that being Great American Ballpark, you can ask Nick Castellanos what that does for your power numbers, is exactly what Cody Bellinger needs. Well, listen, uh, his OPS plus last season in what was not a great year at all. His OPS plus was 78. That's already better than half of the outfielders in the red system right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just that in by itself uh, makes him an interesting candidate. And, and you, you hit the, the big point about why the reds are a good fit. It's batting 81 games at great American ballpark. And what that Baby. will do to his numbers that he'll jump right back into the free agent market. Listen, if the Reds were to do this, everybody needs to come at this and not, you know, as, as the kids say, get twisted, okay? This is going to be a one-year deal. He's never going to stay here past that. It's a Band-Aid until we get prospects up here, but it would be an exciting show if he's even just the shell of the player that he was in 2017 or 2018 or 2019. Yeah, because he absolutely destroyed it. He destroyed the Reds, too, during those three years. I do remember whenever we would play them, it seemed like Cody Bellinger hit multiple home runs every time the Reds had a series with the Dodgers back then. But overall, this is the kind of move that Nick Kroll needs to look at because we've been talking about it since the offseason began. Sure, he's not going to get Aaron Judge. He's not going to get Jacob DeGrom. He might not even go out and get like a Jock Peterson or a Johnny Cueto or something like that. Guys who command multi-year deals. But Cody Bellinger, and, and even more importantly, Scott Boris has said, Cody Bellinger doesn't want a multi-year deal. Boom, go get him. And it might not even be for the whole year. You might sign him and trade him at the deadline. Because if you sign him, he hits 20 bombs. I mean, if Brandon Drury can hit 22 bombs before uh, the trade deadline, Cody Bellinger certainly can do that. And then you flip him for some good uh, either prospects or maybe somebody who's ready to make an impact on the Reds like a Spencer Steer or something like that, then you have absolutely won this offseason. Again, this goes back to the reason that I keep saying that the Reds need Corey Kluber, the Reds need Cody Bellinger, because they are players that the Reds could get and yes, I know those names make you think, are you serious? They're really going to try and get these guys? But their situations are not that they're sitting at the head of the table right now at free agency and everybody's trying to bend over backwards to sign them. They are trying to figure out what the rest of their career looks like. Now, 
big age gap between Corey Kluber and Cody Bellinger. But overall, this is the kind of move the Reds absolutely have a need in the outfield. And yes, Cody Bellinger is a left-handed hitter, but they've got a need and he will upgrade. He's a far upgrade above anybody else they have in the outfield. Go get him right now. You know, there's another piece to this and, uh, you know, I want to explore it for just a second, Jeff. Uh, Boris also represented Nick Cassianos when he came to Cincinnati. Now, I know that Dick Williams was here at the time, but I got to believe that Nick Crawl was in on those conversations and participated in that negotiation. Uh, that negotiation process yielded one of the more interesting contracts we've seen come out in a while, and that was where Nick Cassianos got the money that he liked, but he also had the two escape clauses, and uh, it was structured a little bit differently than a lot of contracts are these days. So right. I think that shows that you know Boris and the Reds front office can work together and come up with something creative. Uh, they could do the same thing here with Bellinger. They could you know get him his one year deal, but get him some. Uh, incentives some bonus money if he's traded if he gets moved to another team they could do things to make all sides happy here the reds could get a player that could potentially have a monstrous breakout year at great american ballpark and bellinger gets paid the money he wants plus a little bonus if he does get traded and move somewhere else during the course of the season yes and, and this is the kind of move too that you're going to get interest back toward great american ballpark because right now it's at an all-time low you gotta do something this is that something. Absolutely. And, you know, you said it best, I think, in the uh, previous episode when we were talking about the the money that the Reds may or may not actually have uh, in the checking account to go out and get players. Uh, if, if $75 million was generated by the lowest attended season in the history of Great American Ballpark, then... You, one could stand to reason that, you know, you make a couple decent signings. We'll use the names you're using. We'll use Kluber and Bellinger. Let's just say the Reds go sign those guys. I think the impact on attendance will be enough to at least pay for one of those guys outright for the season. Yep. So then your bottom line's not touched at all. And then for the second guy, you scrape into your savings that you've made from the non-tenders this year. So they still come out with better players and a lower payroll in 2023 than they had in 2022. And that's a win for uh, Castellini and the SOB, that son of Bob, Phil Castellini. And it's a win for the fans for having a better product to watch. And it's a win for baseball in general, for the Reds being just a little bit more competitive than the, I can't even say that word, than the product that was put on the field in 2022. Right. Yes. That, uh, uh... It's easy. Sorry, it's no, easy. it almost I, got away from me, Jeff. I had to, I had to reel it back in. <laughs> we're a family-friendly show here. Right. And once again, these are not moves that are absolutely crazy and are going to just hamstring the financials and the roster decisions that the Reds have to make in the future. We're talking about one-year deals. Corey Kluber, Cody Bellinger, one-year deal. Prove it, guys. Guys who have proved it in the past and are kind of on a bit of a skid when it comes to their career come here. Fix it. Reds win. Do it now. Well, and we know that uh, we know that Nick Cross listening because he listened earlier this week and stuck it to us on the Kyle Farmer business. So he's listening now. Right. Nick, this is another freebie. You can say this idea was yours. Run with it. Go yes. and get it done. Get us an outfielder. Speaking of outfielders, something happened to Nick Senzel. And you could probably guess exactly what that is. 
Uh, we're going to take a look at Senzel's body of work and the problems with his body in an attempt to ascertain his value to the Reds. We're going to talk about that coming up next. But first, a shout out to today's podcast sponsor, Bet Online. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find at betonline.net. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on your favorite games and events. They've got Major League Baseball futures available now. They've got MMA. They've got boxing. They'll have golf when golf fires back up. They've got the NFL. They've got college football. They've got college basketball. They've got all the action you want in a safe and secure environment. You can head to betonline.net right now on your computer or mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, coming up on tomorrow's podcast, uh, we are going to run one of Jeff's favorite plays, and we are going all positive. 30 minutes of positivity from Jeff and me. We are going to be discussing all things baseball-related that we are thankful for. You're not going to want to miss that. There will be some twists and turns along the way, but it will be an exciting, uplifting episode to close out our week because we are shutting it down early for Thanksgiving this week. That will be our final episode before Turkey Day. All right. You sound taxed when you say that you're going to be positive, Steve. I know, right? You're going to have to step up your game to keep up with me, bro. I'm telling you right now, you better come ready and caffeinated because I am all in on this. I'm going to do my best Jeff Carr impersonation tomorrow. <laughs> but before we get positive, let's talk about Nick Senzel because he has another boo-boo. No, it's not. He has yeah. another boo-boo, Jeff. Uh, came out today that, you remember that toe injury that put him on the disabled list and we ended up getting to see Mike Siani as a result and uh, it was just another in a series of un unfortunate events for Nick Senzel. Well, that toe has not healed. It hasn't healed the entire offseason. Nick Senzel had surgery to correct that toe. Uh, reports from the Reds front office say that uh, he'll be ready for spring training in spite of the surgery. Jeff, what is up with this guy? <laughs> Steve, he's the most weirdest injury-prone player that there's ever been. Because the injuries that he have, uh, they don't build on one another. They are random injuries that had nothing to do with the last injury, and yet he still keeps getting them. And this has me thinking, like, what is the value that he's going to provide to the Reds moving forward? But before we answer that, we've got to look at 2022, because a big part of our conversations last offseason revolved around, hey... This is Nick Senzel's make or break year. He has a good year, which we were rooting for. Make no mistake about it. I know sometimes the way that we report what happens with Nick Senzel, it makes it feel like we like weren't rooting for this guy. We were rooting for this guy. But that make or break year was baroque. Well, it was broken. He's broke. Uh, listen, I didn't realize how bad he was until I went and, and it was his healthiest the, year. It was his healthiest year. I went and dug into these numbers, Jeff. Uh, he played in 110 games, which was a career high for him. Uh, he yes. managed to put up a slash line of 231, 296, 306, five home runs, 
25 RBIs. Here you go. You know, my favorite measuring stick, uh, you know, the quick and dirty look at how a player performed. His OPS plus for the 2022 baseball season was 64. 64. To put that in perspective, that OPS plus is just one point better than Aristides Aquino. Pain. That's what I feel <laughs> hearing those numbers. Oh my gosh. And, and it's so weird too, because there's, there were some, some interesting like peripherals, like his K percentage is still below league average. It's very rare that you talk about a player that doesn't strike out. Nixon Zell didn't strike out. And he also, he was 85, 85th, I better read my notes, right? 85th percentile in sprint speed, which is nice. Means he still provides value athletically and just, just everything else doesn't come together. He has no power, Steve. 306 slugging, that's all you really need to know. But just to add on to that, there were a couple of other underlying statistics that added into this. He was in the bottom 8% of barrel percentage. You know, that's a stat that they put up on the right field scoreboard that people kind of look at that and they're like, what is that? That is every contacted ball that goes over 95 miles an hour. Every ball he puts in play that's over 95 miles an hour, that's a what they call a barrel. And the percentage is how many plate appearances per barrel. Bottom 8%, he had 2.4% for the season. To compare... Now, obviously, he's not going to compare to Aaron Judge, but just to show this, Aaron Judge was at 15.2%, 13% better. So I think a better comparison is an even lower-ranked prospect in the Pirates organization, a guy named Jack Sawinski, who we saw at Great American Ballpark hit a couple of bombs. He had an 8% barrel rate, so 6% better than a once promised uh, future prospect of the future, the guy that was going to change the course of our future. Not a great year. Not a great year. You know, I have been one of the biggest Nick Senzel supporters since the day he was finally called up. I mean, you know, for those that followed me to, to locked on reds from reds alert, know that the day that Nick Senzel got called up to the big leagues, I, I did an interview with Nick's dad. And, you know, and sat and talked to him. I was really excited for Nick Senzel and the Senzel family. And I'm, I have reached the point where I still want Nick to be successful. I still want him to figure it out and have a great career. And I don't think that can happen in Cincinnati at this point. For whatever reason, he's snake bit here. He needs a change of scenery. And, you know, I think coming up in the next segment, we'll talk about what we need to see from him in 2023 that can benefit Nick Senzel can benefit the Reds and thus benefit Reds fans. Yeah, because it's very evident to me that, you know, the struggles began early last year for him and he started pressing and then just things built. I mean, they built, they built, they built. He had five home runs in 110 games. Like, that's not the guy that we saw his rookie year. The guy that we saw his rookie year really looked like the guy he was building into the guy that we thought he was going to be. And he's never going to live up to that number two overall pick that the Reds spent on him, which is it's a bummer. But there is there is a role that he can fill on next year's team. And what value that is that he will be able to provide the Reds. Um, look, we're going to give you our thoughts on that coming up next. It's, it's not 
it's not a lot, but there's something he can do. And, and we're going to take a look at that coming up next. Before we do that, though, make sure that you're following us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show at Lockdown Reds with no Fs. That's assuming that this message reaches you whenever Twitter is still a thing. Plus, you can follow us on YouTube and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got some new content for you. So 2022, Steve, was not kind to Nick Senzel, although honestly, coming into the year, we said two things. I, I remember saying two things about Nick Senzel uh, very succinctly. Number one, it's a make or break year. But number two, he really just needs to be healthy. And when he's healthy, things are going to follow. He was healthy. Nothing followed. So I think that that, that really shows me that the value is minimal and Hopefully he just gets hot and the Reds can flip him because the time is up for him being an asset to the Reds. Well, and, and so there's a couple things there. You know, we see time and time again in the comments and we hear time and time again. Oh, he's terrible. Trade him. Well, yeah, he's terrible. Who's going to take him? Uh, his right. value could not possibly be lower than it is. Nobody is trading for Nick Senzel. So let's get that out of our heads right now. Not right now. Yeah. What needs to happen for Nick Senzel is he has got to put together a healthy first half and show that he can be a hitter. The Reds need to put him in situations to highlight his strengths and put him in positions to be successful. Uh, scoot him around, play him in multiple positions, get him at bats against left-handed pitchers, play the, that handedness, get his numbers pumped up, and then maybe at the all-star break, you can flip him to somebody. And you're not going to get a lot in return based on a half-season's performance when you consider his whole body of work. But you might get something back. You might get a low-level prospect. You might get something to help ease the blow of having to really give up on Nick Senzel because it's it's just not going to be the kind of thing where he's going to to be lights out and change everybody's mind. Now, I will say this. I think it's very telling, though, that the Reds did not designate him for assignment. You know, as yes. I said up top in the last segment, Jeff, he was only one point better in OPS plus than Aristides Aquino, who did get designated for assignment. So, you know, those decisions weren't made based on performance, clearly. Uh, I think the Reds are having a hard time admitting that they made a mistake, admitting that, uh, you know, there's something wrong with Nick Senzel. And and listen, I'm not going to put 100% of the blame for this on Nick Senzel. There's right. been some stuff along the way that helped derail him. But at the end of the day, uh, you got to put together a healthy year. And you got to put together multiple healthy years. And he never really has been able to do that. Even, you know, last season, career high 110 games. Still, he was nicked a lot and, and beat up a lot and played through some things and would miss a game here and then be back for four or five and then miss a game or two and be back and just was never quite right, even when he was healthy, air quotes, for the YouTube viewers there. Um, so I don't know, Jeff. I just I feel like maybe the Reds are having the same thoughts that we are, which is maybe he can string together a good half season uh, in a platoon and go from there. Yes, and that's the key is, like you said, putting him – 
in good situations for a football metaphor. You know, it's like the rookie quarterback that you just keep calling screen passes for. They just need to keep calling screen passes for Nixon Zell, put him against left-handed pitching, make him a platoon guy with all the lefties in the outfield and, and how he can help in the infield in any way that he can with some different guys there. Like Nixon Zell can play multiple positions. He is still an athlete. It's just for some reason, the disconnect between his ability and his production has never been figured out. And, and is there a way that the Reds can recoup some amount of value from what they perceived his value to be whenever they drafted him? Yes, that's why he's still here. They're looking for any amount of percentage. It's not going to be 75%. It's not going to be, I, I, I dare I say, it's not even going to be above 50%. I think they're just looking to get... 30, 40% of the production out of him that they expected when they took him number two overall. And there were all these different articles written about the scouting that they went through, the, the checks and balances of making him their number two overall pick and then assigning him whether or not they, they told him personally, but it was obvious to us fans assigning him the role of savior of the Reds future. And it's just not, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So can they recoup any amount of value? And that is why they maintained him on their roster. He's still likely going to make around $2 million this year, which would put him uh, pretty close to the third highest paid player on the team, which is currently Ken Griffey Jr.'s deferred contract. Uh, but <laughs> he's not going to be that guy that just leads us into the promised land. So now it's what can you do for the Reds in 2023? And that starts with the good old platoon no oh, yeah i think so um and you know I, coming up maybe even later this week we will dig into some of those platoons in the outfield and specifically discuss what has been dubbed by our youtube commenters i wish i could remember who coined this the f troop of friedel fraley and fairchild boy you got to be careful with that one <sighs> but you know i think nick zone could fit there's a role there for him and listen Jeff, nothing would make me happier than for him to come out of the gate in 2023 and set the world on fire yeah. and just suddenly have figured it all out. Uh, but I think that, you know, that's hope. That's a dream, yes. but it doesn't seem likely. And if it were to happen, great. But I'm definitely not going to be holding my breath. Yeah, and and more than likely, too, another reason why the Reds didn't get rid of him was, um, well, where else are they going to go? They don't have a whole lot of outfielders that they can trust on the 40 man roster. So yeah, but it's, it's definitely evident that, you know, as much as we've hoped for, and as much as we've rooted for Nick Senzel just can't be counted on in 2023 or even beyond to make any type of difference at the big league level for this Cincinnati Reds team. And since tomorrow is all positive, we will we'll end today on that downer of a note. We'll wrap it up yeah. right there. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Again, coming up tomorrow, it is a feel good 30 minutes as Jeff and I will be all positive all the time as we talk about the things we are thankful for in the world of baseball uh, as we head into the Thanksgiving break. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports today podcast the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day locked on sports today is just like locked on reds available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts 
All right, Jeff, you better put on your positive caffeine thinking cap and uh, get ready because we're going to be going hard on the positives. Uh, but what else are we going to be doing as this offseason continues? We are going to be watching this team like a hawk, looking at all the different rumors that the Reds are involved in, and we are going to keep our eye firmly on Great American Ballpark to see exactly how they're going to make this team better and ready for 2023 because we are locked on Reds every single day.